All right, and we are recording episode five of Building Chipper. Yep. Yes, we are. We're doing a thing. All right. Like usual, this has been two weeks since our last recording. We got a section of app updates. We got a section of business, and I've just called it general updates also because there's actually more questions in here than answers of anything. Uh, cool. What happened the last two weeks? Uh, the app exploded, and we didn't know why for a while. Yeah, that was the most stress. That was the most stressful. It was pretty stressful during the um, evening. No, it was less. during the evening, which was good. I mean, it was good in terms of people weren't super active on the app. Um, I think very randomly, I think that day we had pushed some very minor updates out to the application and they were like totally superficial, like HTML changes. Um, and then maybe like 6 PM, 7 PM, 7 or 8 PM. Like I noticed a build of ours failed. And then, um, I was looking into it and couldn't figure out why. And then some other people emailed were like, Hey, our builds are failing. Luckily, not too many, because again, it was nighttime. And then I spent the rest of the night till, uh, well, the last three, three and a half hours or something, just like playing with the build system and seeing like what the hell is going on. So what, what happened is what it looked like is that people um, could not clone their GitHub repositories. Other ones worked, Bitbucket and GitLab and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere in the middle of the frenzy of me like pulling my hair out, um, I sent, I found on GitHub support that you could actually email them a support request and they use that. They use Zendesk. I figured it out just by like looking at the email they sent back. Um, yeah. But how desperate were you to actually have sent that? Oh my God. I was like, I'm not going to hear back from these people for a week. So I don't even Ever, know how to do maybe. this. <laughs> like, you know how many support requests they must get? It's GitHub. You broke my stuff. I know. And how many people complain about like, Hey, it's broken. It's your fault. And GitHub's like, no way. It's your fault. Which is probably right. Uh, but anyway, GitHub broke. It was GitHub's fault. They got back to me the next morning. They're like, sorry, we pushed a thing out and it looks like that caused an issue for you. And I'm sure other people. Yeah. Um, I mean, imagine how many people must have wrote in for it to actually like register as a blip on their radar. Um, exactly. I mean, maybe they reverted it. It sounded like it was because I emailed in, but I'm not really sure. Cause, uh, afterwards I helped them debug and they were emailing with me a lot to be like, you know, can I get access to this? Can I try this out? Which was interesting because I was actually talking to like GitHub developers, which is kind of fun. Not that like we had a conversation. They just said, hey, can I use this? And I was like, yep, thanks. I love you. Anyway. (laughs) 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 It reminds me of like in that Disney movie or Inside Out when they've, uh, have you seen that movie? I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, well, there's a scene where Joy, the main character, is like taking sadness along. Oh, I have seen it. Yes. And then they see like, the 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 unicorn like the glitter unicorn she's like the the celebrity of the dreaming world right and i don't know it sort of seems like that oh, so like, it was like it was exactly that though and it's just like oh, okay you can have whatever you want yeah well now we got that we now like got that at google email address in at the github that's right or at github yeah not google yet right we can, I put, guess we can just put that in there right github's a user of our application now trusted yeah. by github yeah. <laughs> to run their, their Laravel builds, which is not a thing again. Uh, that's good. Not as far as I know. Um, anyway, they broke it. They rolled back something, which is kind of cool because because of a thing we had, they rolled back some code, presumably. It sounded like it was because I emailed in this way they worded it, but I don't know. Could be other people were complaining. Um, and they rolled it back. It started working. That was the next morning. It was kind of early when that happened too, so it was really nice that... Um, 
the app wasn't broken for everyone for a while. It was also very nice that it wasn't my fault <laughs> for breaking the build system that day. Um, I'm saying my a lot just because I kind of like built the build system out and, and do the servery stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, that was part of it too. Is like I don't have or I don't do a lot with that side of the app. And so it's like, right. I don't know what's wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, but I like, guess they'll just fix it. It, it works. We <laughs> haven't changed anything. It's, it's spent so, I spent so long trying different things. I was like, this just has to be a GitHub issue. Like, I don't know what else could possibly be. Um, eventually they fixed it. So what ended up happening is if you created a deploy key through the API, that deploy key did not work. If you added the deploy key into GitHub's web interface, it worked, which is super weird. I don't really know. You know, there's some explanation. I just don't know what it is. Um, and SSH worked. Like, if you've ever done that test, we could do SSH-T at GitHub.com, and it, it connects to GitHub over SSH. But it mm-hmm. says, like, all right, you authenticated, but we don't offer a, sh- a shell or whatever the stupid wording says. That worked, so I knew the SSH connection was good, but then you couldn't clone and like that's why it made it that's what really felt like a issue on github's end like you knew it was authenticating against github over ssh but like i couldn't clone the repository for some reason so anyway um in the end they gave me a coupon to buy whatever i wanted one thing of whatever i wanted on the the github store a free thing not buy it really uh, yeah it was free so i got the the dad cap because why not it was the only thing i actually kind of liked on their store i feel like all the other social control uh, testing CI apps really owe us a little bit, honestly. They must have been broken because, like, they have to use deploy keys, right? I'm pretty sure it's what CodeShip does too. Yeah. As opposed to putting a key on the user uh, account instead of like a deploy key on each individual repository. Yeah. So if anybody from CodeShip or GitLab CI or whatever, well, I guess they wouldn't do that. Um, anybody that's listening to this trying to scrape competitive information out, you're welcome. We're using deploy keys, apparently. Yeah. We fixed that for you. You're welcome. We fixed it, yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. Only It was cool to interact with some people at GitHub, and uh, it was very cool that it was not our f- application breaking it. Yeah, it's sort of a sign to come of what's to come, though, right? Oh, my God. It was stressful, yeah. And I've had stress like that over the years. It just like sucks when it happens. Um. Like when I, my first job in a marketing agency, there was like a bunch of times, maybe once or twice a year, we were up to like 5 a.m. fixing and like launching something, all that garbage and all that kind of stress. It's yeah. like, it piles up. I hate that. Yeah, I remember one time working at an agency and a project manager, he was like a consultant project manager, so he didn't actually work for the company as a full-time employee. Mm-hmm. He insisted that I work overnight on something and I worked till like 6 a.m. And then it was supposed to be out by like, eight or whatever he's going to present it and it basically the meeting just didn't happen he was like oh, it didn't matter really anyways oh my god and I, do, I sort of did it like all night as a point like i'm going to show everybody how dedicated i am how hardcore i am just gotta roll up your sleeves and get it done but it was basically jokes on me nobody cares about your effort yeah no one cares and <laughs> you just burnt yourself out and no one is happy about it yeah no i need cares. two days to recover mm-hmm. that's and- cool got to go through it when you're young mm-hmm. someone has to use you in order for you to understand that <laughs> you yeah. should be used <laughs> like these basic like like cultural laws or right totally true um okay what else we got here so 
the next thing I have in the notes is just we fixed some bugs, which I think is the majority of the work the last two weeks. We have some work in progress um, features, but I think a lot of the stuff we did is kind of minor improvements and bug fixes, like deleting projects actually deletes all the data and not just most of the data. Like there's like a table missing because I think like I added a table after the delete projects stuff was coded and we didn't account for that. It's like stupid things for like that. Mm, yeah. Deleting teams and the billing around teams is a little smoother now because before it, like it kind of looked like it didn't actually successfully delete your stuff, but it did. Um, and then actually there are cases where you can get an error because it tried to unsubscribe you from an already um, canceled subscription. Um, post build webhooks on success only because before there was a condition where they might fire even if your build failed. <laughs> so we could deploy a failing build that was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so that works now. Um, this is sort of business, sort of code. I added some emails, so like there's a welcome email and you sign up. There's an e- email you get when your trial is ending soon. So you don't get like a credit card charge unexpectedly. Um, yeah, those are nice things that yep. <laughs> seems important now. Right. That, but it's, uh, apparently it's okay to launch without that. Right. Apparently, turns out. Um, but I mean, when we launched, we had at least two weeks until when we first started getting customers. The first few customers were totally kind of on board with paying and stuff. So like it didn't matter that their trial was ending soon. And I even just talked to them individually with the first like three, two, three, four people who signed up kind of early-ish. And then we started getting people through the invites and that was more people signing up. And that's when we got the emails in place by then because, you know, we had less of a a relationship with those people. So that makes sense to get the emails in there. We kind of had a lead time thanks to the 14-day trial and all that. Um, So now we're in the process of sending out invite emails. So two weeks ago, we sent out the first, no, a week ago, we sent out the first invite email. Um, the conversion rate in that first email is kind of crazy, actually. I think a lot of people were looking for it. And then the other thing is that the register page is like open and you can just sign up for the app. So the invite system is way more of, is more so of um, a way to stop a huge influx of customers from coming in. Um because that can congest the build system and I just didn't want the app to explode. Yeah. So there's that. I know I'm, I'm just looking at the notes now. I'm actually mixing up app updates versus business updates, but that kind of goes in with each other anyway. Yeah. It makes sense though. Well, do we dare share the conversion rate on that email? Oh, I don't even know if it's correct. Uh, we sent it to a hundred people and we got what? 17 signups. Um, and then, okay. So, this is the funniest thing. So we have this concept of the penny gap gap where like the difference between people using a free tier and just having to pay something is like this big gap, this hurdle to get over in applications. Um, and then you hear people talking about, do I do a, tr- a credit card upfront trial or not? And that kind of thing. And there's like that kind of question with apps. So we are opting in to do a credit card upfront. Uh, we want that bit of friction in place so that uh, people who sign up for the app are more likely to be actual customers of it and not just tire kickers. Um, but we have this thing where people put their are willing to put their credit card in, but then unsubscribe, cancel their subscription immediately as like the next action they do after they yeah. think. So they it's, get the 14 day trial and don't have to worry about the card being charged. So yeah, they, they can use it for 14 days, use all the resources, then forget about it basically. So unless it's there's this class of tire kickers who are like, you know, I guess they're not getting charged until the 14 day trial. So it's actually not the penny gap, but it is getting over the hurdle of having to put a credit card in. So 
I don't know. It was just kind of interesting because I didn't really expect it. It, um, it kind of makes me feel like the price isn't high enough that if people aren't like, oh, I don't want to pay that once, you know, that's, or I guess that's they're interesting that. Well, I don't know because they're still not paying. It's a trial. Right. They they I guess the price wouldn't matter because they're just going to cancel immediately in theory. I don't know. That's an inter- interesting thought. Maybe that is part of it. Uh, what else do we got? Oh, we got features. So um, some features that are in process. Um, one, I still, this isn't really in process, but it's still top of mind is that using dusk still kind of sucks. Uh, and I want to improve that. Like we have to do some, we have to do some funky stuff in dusk to make sure it works smoothly in chipper, which is documented for people who want to use dusk, but it's still like more, it's more than just like saying PHP artisan serve and then running PHP artisan dusk, which is kind of what I wish it was. So maybe I might write like a helper script so people can uh, just like run a command that's documented to help make Dusk work. Yeah. We'll see. Sort of, I don't know. You always have to do something specific for Dusk in production on CI apps. And apparently our app is no different. So it's yeah. just kind of like, what kind of friction can we remove from that process without like making it work? They don't even know what's going on really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dusk is kind of funky because um, it has the issue of all of the main issue of the main reason why all builds are the main issue. The main reason behind builds failing commonly when you are setting up a continuous integration app is that your environment variables are kind of usually um, messed up some way. Either they're missing or you have the wrong thing set, whatever. That's like the most by far the most common reason why builds fail. Dusk has that issue, but it's even harder because on top of that, you have to um, take into account uh, how Dusk works and t- instead of like your app URL and your app domain environment variables need to be set with the right port. Um, and on top of that, Dusk is a little weird that uh, if it, it reads a .env, you know, .env.dusk.whatever the environment is, and that overrides system environment variables and anything in your .m file and all that stuff. So that is the exception to how environments work otherwise in servers in general, um, especially with Laravel's like the .m package that it uses um, because it, it changes the precedence of uh, how environment variables are loaded in. So Dusk is like this special case, and that is kind of confusing also. Um, so the environment issue is still an issue in Dusk. Uh, more so in Dusk than anything else because of that. It's a pain in the ass to use, in other words. Yes. So, I don't know. More mm. documentation is going to be, like, the key to, around that, I think. Yep. What else we got? We're surfacing Laravel logs. Yes. Is- so, um, well, only one person requested this, but then I ran into an issue where I really wanted it, so I just started building it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, when a build fails, it'll look for the storage logs... Uh, directory and if it finds any files ending in .log it'll zip them all up and send them to a store to be stored and then offer that as a download in the UI Um, so currently only in failing builds as the feature is right now in the PR Um, and then the other thing we have to work through is if we want to show the Laravel log in the web UI as opposed to just making it a download yeah um, which I think ideally we do. It's just that I haven't looked at the logic around uh, like paginating through large files. And if we download or upload or whatever the right word is, if we save multiple log files versus just one log file. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, the other odd thing is also some people, I know at least one customer who is testing packages, not a Laravel app, and they're using that test bench package. So um, that puts the logs in a weird place because it kind of like adds Laravel, but it adds Laravel as like a, it's in some random subdirectory, like yeah. a, in, a, in a vendor directory. So then those, the location of your logs are just totally different. So I don't know if I want to make it configurable to be like, tell us where your log files might end up or something like that. So I don't know. We'll see. For now, it'll just assume Laravel file paths, which actually that might be the first feature that actually makes an assumption about a file path. Now that I think about it. It's a reasonable assumption, though, since this is really focused yeah. on Laravel apps in, in particular. Right. And it has checks, like if this directory exists. You know, it doesn't just like assume it actually exists and won't cause errors. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on a feature to restrict branches built. Some customers have long running builds and they don't want every single branch and every single push to build. So we're working through kind of the best way to do that in the UI. And um, like, do we want a blacklist versus whitelist uh, branches? And do we need to support like regular expressions or wildcards and that kind of thing? Yeah, it makes sense for the people that need that. Something yeah. I, I've kind of like joked last night, not realizing that it was like kind of made me sound like a jerk saying that, but I was like, I hate this feature. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, it's the kind of feature that I just don't want to need or want mm-hmm. to I'm be. It. It's like, just build everything. It's fine. Right. You know, like we are, uh, we've got vast resources on our end, but that's all actually not true. You know, if people are just running crazy long builds and their development process is one that, you know, they have 20 developers blasting out branches every day. Yeah. Um, yes. And I think I have seen a customer too, that has some kind of use case like that. Even Um, unnecessarily, you know, especially unnecessarily, they don't need them to, you know, like they're just, they're just like running CI on develop branch or something doesn't make sense to run them on every little feature branch if they don't want. Yeah. Our um, base plan still has the single concurrency of build also. So that is... Could gum it that, up. That yeah. would slow down. So um, we'll see. We also have to... I think within a month, we're going to have to expand our plans to like allow people more concurrency and then maybe come up with our uh, cheap tier that we've been talking about. Not free, but cheap pricing tier. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? I guess. Is this a good time? We have a section of our business updates about pricing. I guess we must have covered that since I just mentioned it. Yeah, the pricing is still a question. Oh, uh, last feature. Two features? Two features. Two features that you're working on, right? You want to talk about that? Yeah. I'm working on finalizing a feature that streams the output of the build steps live so you can see what's happening with your PHP unit tests as it happens instead of after. And so... That's pretty nice. Yeah, I like that a lot. I've had a to-do in the code where like, I just like spit the output out and it was like, to-do, send this to Pusher so we can stream output. It's been yeah. that way since the beginning of the app. <laughs> and so I finally, this finally, Taylor, oh, well, decided, he messaged me asking me if we were going to have that. And I said, yeah, I assume when, whenever we can figure it out. And I didn't realize that it was actually just not that difficult to implement. We just hadn't done it yet. Yeah, luckily um, in this spot of code, it was kind of set up to just... It already chunked the output to us using Symfony's process PHP thing. Yep, and so we're just sending that down the wire now, and it updates. Um, we're kind of taking a wait-and-see approach because now we're just sending every line, every chunk 
as it comes in, we're sending it down uh, via pusher to the client. About that could, uh, and we're saving the output as it happens to the database. So it could be a lot of database calls that bog down the servers and push up yeah. our pusher costs. Um, but if that's a problem, we could just sort of peter it back by yeah. using a, a timer that's like every five seconds update. Right. I'm not sure if pusher, like it seems like a pusher in that case, pusher is by connections, right? So it's like someone would be connected if they're on the screen anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not yeah. sure. Or, or maybe it has a cap on events, but the cap is a lot higher. Yeah, they would receive the event, but they wouldn't push anything out because there's no active connections, right? We get, um, I think, a daily email from them to our chipperci.com email. Um, oh. I usually check it and archive it immediately, so you might not have seen it because I just I've like never seen it. Yeah, I check in the morning. Like I kind of like just like first thing I do is look at my phone and just archive garbage emails, and that's usually one of them that I just archive pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, it may work that, that way, but also pusher has a, a limit on the amount of data you can send in a mm, event. So we may not be able to send a whole big build log without right. busting the, the payload size, which yep. would mean either one, one, we just like stream the output live line by line and somehow do some intelligent stuff to like compile it at the end and save it to the database. Mm-hmm. But as it's coming in live, it's line by line. Or we just run our own WebSocket server. Yeah. And then we get totally unlimited. Possible. Like there's that, P- there's that PHP one. And I am, yeah. I am reticent to use a PHP code for that use case. But I remember them saying that like they've been using it in production for years and like never even had to restart it or anything. Like the people yeah. who made that. So that sounds, kind of, the that, that sounds pretty stable. Yeah. I've used the latest one like from Swatsy. And I've used the one that's uh, before that. There was Laravel web socket or, or something mm-hmm. like that um they both seem to be fine yeah it would be nice to not uh have a like whole server just for Node.js or whatever it end up having to do infrastructure wise yeah or whatever push your works out better right i mean i like yeah that's the type of thing where i like pushing out to uh, an app that handles it so like it's their problem if it goes down mm-hmm. uh okay what else telegram notifications uh, this one's near and dear to my heart because I don't use Slack and I don't have it installed and I would never install it even if I was required to by law. <laughs> uh, but I wanted Telegram notifications for build statuses. So I'm in the middle of um, implementing those for the way for the different aspects of the builds that want those. It's kind of weird because Telegram doesn't have an OAuth handshake flow. So you kind of have to do some weird stuff to find out like what chat ID you want the notification to go, which Hmm. right now the most elegant one I can find is you go to web.telegram.org or whatever it is, sign in to their web interface, and then you grab the the chat ID out of the URL (laughs) and like remove the the prepended G or whatever it is. And then you put, you would put that in the, in the chipper, but that's pretty, pretty janky. So I'm also looking into, uh, actually the, the better approach is to use some sort of deep linking capability where you have like this telegram bot link. You're like connect to telegram. It has some embedded ID. You keep that in some cache somewhere. When they click that link, you sync them up and then you have a chat ID. You actually listen for the webhook event for them adding for, for them joining that chat. And then you grab the ID out and save it to the user. It's really, it's kind of weird 
what they're what links they're going to to not have an OAuth flow. Weird. I wonder why they do that. They just probably just like it's probably just the developer doesn't like understand OAuth and just has avoided it. Isn't it <laughs> like Telegram, like Russian developers or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Who they're knows? They're always like flipping the finger to their government. Right. So who knows what their use- reasoning is? <laughs> who knows if they're actually alive? <laughs> they're in the gulag. Telegram just exists because no one shut it down yet. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, oh, pricing. Let's talk about that. That seems like yep. the next interesting thing. Um, so let's see. We don't like the idea of a free tier, although most CI apps do a free tier. Um, the free tier kind of makes sense to me in that it makes sense that I think we've talked about this. We must have. Yeah. Um, as a way for developers to get in and try the app and then go to whoever can make a purchasing decision in their business and their company and be like, all right, we're, we're all using this. Can we please, you know, go up to the paid plans that has all the features we need and more concurrency or whatever the case might be. Yeah. More pipelines. Yeah. Cause like, I know things like code ship gives you like a hundred builds a month for free, which is really easy to hit uh, on an app that's even semi-active. Like me as a single developer hit that pretty quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. Just pushing updates when I was working on that in thermostat for work. And, um, so there's like some free tiers to get you in the app and that idea makes sense, but I don't know if that makes sense for us kind of niche down on this Laravel system and us in the Laravel community. Um, and also, um, I don't, th- I don't want a free tier yet. Again, the tire kicker thing. I want to reduce like the amount of people just like using up resources, but not caring, not having a real interest on if they succeed and in using chipper or not mm-hmm. um, because that becomes, they just like adds congestion to our build system. And I just want to make sure the build system is, is really solid before we just like allow spurts and uh, like chunks of people in. Um, and so far it is like right now the process is just add more servers. If we have like a spike in traffic or something, which is automated away enough. So that's pretty easy to do. Um, so um, that might be just a stupid fear I have, and maybe we should just open up these, the things so everyone can get in. I don't know, but yeah, I still I still want to be cautious about it. There's also the like the user experience aspect of it, where we're still figuring out a few of the kind of key things, like Dusk. Um, mm-hmm, you know, the, that's true. Avoiding yep. branches and stuff like that, and we want to make sure those are like a little more nicer before people come in, and then we have to do some big scary migration. Because yeah. we stored the data and some the configuration in some weird format, and now we're like, you know, avoiding those things. So those are less impactful when there's fewer That's users. That's a good point. And we don't have to. We don't have to. You know, this is not a zero sum game where we have to get to instant profitability, crazy numbers to make this worth it. We can yes. kind of like work on it for a while. Both very good points. Yeah. Um, we both have incomes <laughs> that are not yeah. chipper CI, which is good. And then, um, yeah, there's definitely things to like keep kind of keep improving on. There's plenty of work to do. Um, so I like, I still like having the kind of trickle of people coming in through the invite systems versus like having lots of people in and versus having a free tier where people can just kind of come in and, and they don't necessarily care if they're successful or not. They just want to see what the app is like. Yeah, but now the question is, since we have the tire kickers that are willing to put their credit card up but then cancel immediately, does it even matter at that point? 
Yeah. I mean, presumably there's still that amount of friction is, it's not necessarily that penny gap I was mentioning, but presumably it's still stopping a lot of those people from, uh, kicking the tires. Yeah. I mean, I, I would guess we can try it out. I think maybe in a few weeks we can try out maybe a, a free tier or something, but I don't know. But our other idea here right, is the cheap tier, which is not free, but is not, um, Unlimited uh, kind of not stuff. unlimited. I don't, what's the word for it? I don't know. It would be like a metered billing, right? Based on usage. So we can charge, you know, cents on the build minutes or something like that. The amount of minutes spent building per month. And you can get charged as a usage fee instead of, you know, just the, the solid uh, standard monthly fee. Yeah. And it, then if you wanted more predictability in your billing, you could just go up to a sort of reserved quote unquote <laughs> plan. Right. Yeah. And then you can get everything. up to the plans that have more concurrency and all that kind of stuff too. But I think like the, like someone just emailed me yesterday and was like, I only build, um, twice a week or something and 40 bucks a month. It's just like, isn't worth that. So like if you have a cheaper tier, it'd be great. So that kind of makes sense for that person. I think, um, well they might end up spending five or 10 bucks a month based on how long their builds take. They should just have like a digital ocean server that's like two point two dollars and fifty cents, and then they that just... person would do well in code ships free tier, you know. Yeah. So it's like there's that option too. Um, but you know they're also excited to support a Laravel thing, like they've specifically mentioned that. So um, that's those people, you know. If if we could figure out a way for those people to be in our app and not. Uh, um, cause issues, I guess, either through support, either through support volume or through, you know, just like congestion on the build servers. And, you know, that sounds good to me. Yeah, definitely. So I think that tier might make sense as a, as a way to get people in the door. It is a little bit of the penny gap. You have to put your credit card in and then you're charged a bit, you know, per month based on mm-hmm. usage. Uh, and presumably you could get to the point where that usage base cost is uh, equal to or more than the monthly cost maybe or maybe not you know maybe the monthly cost uh, gives you access to features like teams just differentiated features yeah yep that's interesting like because you could say well this will this cheap tier is metered up until the, the bottom point of the first plan and then and then you just get bumped into the plan yep that makes sense too but I don't know how crazy that would be to implement. Me either. It might be a little crazy, actually, because it's not exactly how like a Stripe thing would work. Stripe supports metered billing plans, and then they support solid, you know, regular plans. But changing into one, I don't know. So anyway, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, oh, okay. So last note I hear is why don't any CI apps have annual pricing? And then I think you updated it and said CodeShip does. Was that you? That was me. Okay, so I guess they do. So some of them do have annual plans. I didn't check any of the other ones, but I did. I knew. I remember seeing that on the Code Ships website that they do. Mm. I couldn't find it when I looked. Of course, that doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means that it's not like straight and in your face. I think their pricing is actually is sort of crazy. I think because one, you can't even see the pricing until you sign in. Mm -hmm. It's like you literally go unlimited build start at forty nine dollars a month. Um, the free tier is 100 builds per month for free. Sign up to review pricing and configuration options. So that's right. one thing you can't see that. Yeah, because um, they have like 
basic versus pro and then they have all these other options for concurrency yeah, and then so. adding larger servers and i think they're all sort of kind of nuts like that not all of them but mostly the pricing's sort of convoluted yeah so like you have basic like you said basic and pro and each of those have like seven tiers on the pro version you have to select how many concurrent builds you want then they're in within those those are monthly and yearly pricing for for mm. both of those types okay. And then parallel pipelines, which are different than concurrent builds, is another add-on, basically. And so it's just insanity. Hmm. So the interesting question here is that, do most CI apps not have annual pricing? Because I remember taking a quick look at uh, Circle CI and uh, Travis CI, and that might've been it. And I don't think I saw annual plans there. So I didn't know if there was like a business case for them not doing that or not. Um, because I'm generally a fan of offering, um, annual plans to capture the value up front yep. and, and also give a discount of like one or two months at the tail end of that. So people have a reason to do it. Yeah. That's the typical um, SAS thing, right? You know, you, right. you extract the lifetime value right up front with that's Assuming they don't cancel and want their money back sometime right. in the middle. Right, and hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully not their lifetime value, I think, right? Because you want them to stay for a for a few years. But it yeah. depends, too. That's the question. Maybe people's lifetime value is low and is under a year for most of these apps, so they don't charge annual up front. Oh, no, that would be a reason to charge annual, because they would want to try to capture the more. Get the it before they year. got out, yeah, at six months or whatever. Um, which is kind of the cynical way to look at it, but that's probably <laughs> what they would choose to do. Um, and most of these places are funded so i don't know if that means anything we're not we're bootstrapping this so i don't know if that affects anything either in terms of annual pricing so anyway that's the question that's an open question like i just don't know why um a lot of the c apps have that either not in your face or like as not an option versus monthly pricing i don't know makes me suspicious they're all like they're all funded so they all might have to do a certain model that we can escape from um, they're all 50 bucks a month. They all grow up in chunks of 50 bucks a month. Generally, like we said, they have kind of crazy prices and add-ons and stuff like that. Yeah. Except for like buddy, it's a little, you know, but different. is buddy the, um, buddy's the self-install, right? The on-premise. They have a cloud version too. And it starts at 75. Oh, it does. Okay. 10 projects, 10 users, 10 gigabytes, cash storage, mm, 75 bucks a month. One pipeline. Um, or GitLab CI is a little different because their focus is the GitLab, the Git part, but then you can also add on the CI part so that their pricing is a little different. Um, and then there's another one, I forget the name of it right now, that charges probably billable minute or something, but the price ends up being very similar uh, if you you know do a certain number of build minutes per month or whatever. So I was very curious about how all the apps like landed on that and if they're just copying each other or kind of what's going on there. So those are completely open questions I don't have a good answer to, but I am very curious as to how all these other CIFs have landed on their pricing and they're kind of like uh, not focused on annual plans, their lack of focus on that, that kind of thing. Yeah. We don't know what we don't know. So this is... Tell us. Tell us, internet. Tell us. <laughs> how do we do this? What's going Maybe on? Maybe we should get somebody that's a little more seasoned to like, interview them with our oh my God. little dumb an, questions. An interview podcast. We should. Just an episode. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we can get ourselves in other people's podcasts and ask them. Oh, that'd be cool. I like that idea too. I have to bring both of us though, because between the two of us, there's one discuss. There's like one line of conversation on a one, you know, a two way conversation. Mm-hmm. Like we could both talk to Adam at once and right. 
only have enough for one like really talkative person. Right. <laughs> we need um we'll slowly become a podcast that mentions Adam Waithen every every time and maybe yeah. Steve Shoger. We'll just steal all of our podcast ideas. Yeah, my first name basis only. Yeah. Right. For sure. Uh good. Uh okay. Do we have anything else in these notes? But there's like other stuff, I just don't care about it. Uh metrics and stuff. We can talk <laughs> about it for a while. I don't know. Um Oh, okay. So the cohorts and metrics thing is I've, we, we're sending out emails and sending it to about a hundred people at a time for invites. Uh, last week I sent one chunk of a hundred people and that's the email that had a good response. And then I didn't on Thursday. I didn't after that. I sent that out on Tuesday. I, I thought about sending out more, but then I didn't because Natalie was traveling and I had to take care of Wesley. And like, if something was broken, I just wouldn't have time to get to it on the build side. So this week we sent out one today we got a few people sign up. I think two people have signed up so far. So the response is less, but it's not terrible at all. And I'm going to send out some more tomorrow and then probably Thursday also. And then I think I'm going to skip Friday through Monday because I, I generally, for chipper marketing stuff, I have not sent out any emails Friday through Monday at all. Yeah, leave the people alone. Yeah. I like I like Tuesday through Thursday, I think, is when people are kind of more receptive to that stuff. Which is just a theory. I have no data to back that up, but. Monday is busy for me, so I don't care about that stuff. Friday is just like I'm like half in the half in the game. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm actually mentally half there. Um, so I assume other people are similar, but I don't know. Uh, all right. So the idea here is that I w- I was hoping to like see bare metrics give me a way to track cohorts themselves. They have like their little cohort graph based on I don't know, based on something. But I don't know how they segment people if it's just over time or what. I want to be like. I emailed this many hundred people. These are their emails. These people are tagged like at this pricing plan or whatever changed. And then the next people, if we change it, I want to see how they have behaved differently, if at all. Uh, but I don't know how to do like that Like who yet. churns out more and that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. If we change pricing, does that affect churn? Um, what So like what section of people are, are like the, if the people who are on the list very early, are they more likely to stick around in the app than the people who are on the mailing list later? Just like whatever I could see that might help like determine what people are like actually having success in the app and sticking around well that's good information man we'll see we'll see what turns out from that maybe i'll just won't be able to get that information that that type of insight i think is notoriously hard to get because i know i've worked at places and work right now at user skateboard like we've tried to get that type of stuff and use all these SaaS apps to track stuff and it just like never ends up surfacing anything super useful Mm -hmm. so we'll see it might not matter. It probably doesn't matter either. You could look at all this data and like nothing actually changes. You're just kind of like wasting your time, which is yeah. kind of my personal opinion about how metrics and stuff ends up going anyway. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, we, we didn't really go in depth, but my line item was metrics segmenting and cohorts make my eyes glaze over. I wish it was just as simple as like put a useful thing on the internet, ask people for money and you know, that's it. It probably really is, and we all just complicate it. Like every all these places that sell you on the idea of gathering these metrics and like it helping you have a very vested interest in you believing that they're helping you. Yeah, so they might not be. I don't know. Uh, like bare metrics, I've always been super down on because I'm like, you know, you have all these metrics, but you don't know. It doesn't help you take action on that at all. Mm-hmm. So it's completely vanity. Um, but. I think seeing the churn is valuable. I think churn is actually the, like the one thing that might be valuable. Cause if your churn rate is too high, then that's like definitely a signal that something's going on. Yeah. You're burning to the ground if it's right. too high. If yeah. It's outpacing your, your growth, your revenue growth. Right. 
Um, and that is like a not obvious thing to see without something measuring that for you. So I think that is worth it, except it's, you know, everything else is just kind of vanity or like not important as not as important. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. I don't mind paying for it cause it's what 450 bucks for the year, which is insane. Cause you know, the app is making more than that per month. So that's good. Mm-hmm. We're in the, we're in the black. That's good. We're in the black, man. That's good to hear. Yep. Yeah, that sounds like a good place to wrap it up, really. Uh, yeah, my quick time says it's 40 minutes, so we're a little over 30 minutes, but not too bad. Yeah, but I feel like it was rich. Right, agreed. Cool, rich. all right, uh, we'll be back in a week or two weeks. I always reserve the right to change, because who knows Something what exciting happens. Yeah. Exactly, right. Um, cool, all right, talk to you soon. Later.